first and foremost is to recognize that we need to stop powering through and we need to really look at this is the time to blow it up, right? This is the time to reassess and to kind of re-identify what are the things that even need to happen. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan. And mamas, today on the show, we're talking to Mary Beth Ferrante, founder of Work360, a platform designed to help working parents thrive in their careers and as caregivers, in addition to helping companies create policies that attract and retain working parents. COVID-19 threw everyone into an unexpected immediate transition. We had to shift our lives, at first for the short term, and now working to adjust for longer term implications to keep our families and others safe and healthy. Mary Beth, a mom of two and full-time entrepreneur, is using her experience guiding parents through major transitions with Work360 to help working parents find their footing in today's environment. And that's what she's here to share with us today, how we can all effectively manage our careers, parenting responsibilities, and relationships, especially if this situation might stick around a while. I can't wait to share her knowledge and advice with you. As always, stick around until the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from this conversation. Or you can head over to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Mary Beth, all one word, for the complete show notes. Are you ready, mamas? Let's get started. Hey, Mary Beth, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great as well. Are we great in general terms or great in the world of coronavirus and adjusting? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Great takes a new, a new norm as everything is a new norm, right? So my great in COVID terms is that it was actually my wedding anniversary last night and we ordered in food and drank champagne on a Tuesday night. And I'm going to call that great. Hey, that is great. Yeah, for COVID life. <laughs> so Mary Beth, tell me about your family. What do you do for work, your partner, your kids? How are you all managing? We are part of a dual career couple. So my husband and I both work full time and I have two little girls, a two-year-old and a, well, two and a half-year-old, she would say now, and an almost five-year-old. We're, we're a couple of weeks away from her fifth birthday. So it's definitely crazy. My husband is in a corporate job and a corporate role. He works in entertainment and is lucky enough to be one of the few still working. But it does mean that he's also working remotely for the first time and in our home. And then I am the co-founder and CEO of Work360. So I do own my own business, which does provide me with some flexibility, but also means that it never ends. And I'm always kind of working and, and want to be working. And I have an office set up in our home that I'm now sharing with my husband, um, <laughs> which is interesting to say the least. And what we do is we really focus on providing support for working parents. So we partner with organizations to support the parents and also to really help managers understand the journey of working parents and be more empathetic leaders. And so we've been doing a lot specifically around what's going on now with COVID and really helping organizations kind of run more supportive programs, kind of train leaders and be able to provide some additional support during this kind of really especially crazy time. Absolutely. And Work360, if I'm familiar, mostly helps move parents through transitions, right? Like when they're yeah. coming back to work after having a kid and things like that. And this is another form of one of those big work transitions, right? So how are you using what you help reintroducing into the workforce to help people transform into COVID? 
Well, it's very similar, right? In some, in some regards, I think, you know, when we're first initially returning from leave and, and for those who are especially returning from leave during COVID, what a completely crazy situation we're in. But I think, you know, specifically when you're going through this key transition, you know, what we really work on with people is about, you know, having the tough conversations at home, having the tough conversations at work, recognizing your priorities and your boundaries and how you're able to kind of make work work for you with your new identity as a working parent. But for those of us now, for all working parents who are dealing with, you know, childcare disruptions, daycare closures, school closures, and kind of this ongoing disruption, right? We we still don't know what it's going to look like in the fall, you know, if kids are going to be going back to school full time. And so as we're thinking about those things, the transition is actually pretty similar in terms of you know, making sure that you're really one, understanding what it is that your family needs based on your family dynamic and you know what could work well for you and then how to really have that conversation and advocate for yourself at work and in your home. Absolutely. Let's start with that conversation at home, right? About communicating schedule and responsibilities and really splitting who gets to work when, right? So we're hearing an unfortunate number of stories about women's career taking a back seat through this whole situation where the male spouse is working a normal nine to five schedule and the mom's trying to fit work in around. So how do we approach these conversations if we haven't had them yet? Because a lot of us have been in this for a couple months now, but if you haven't had them yet, how do you talk to your spouse about setting up something that works for everybody? Well, and I would encourage you to even have this conversation again, even if you have had it in the past, right? Because I think in the beginning, we really were in this mentality of let's just power through. Yeah. Right. Like we thought, I know for me, I remember when we first got the stay at home order, I was so upset because we were going to run right into spring break. And I was like, it's not three weeks for me. It's five weeks. Like, how am I going to deal with this? And now we're on week 12. So we were wishing for that five weeks. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, if only I could go back to that. But I think we all have to really refocus and reshift our mindset on it's unsustainable to keep powering through, to keep this idea that, okay, I'm going to work from 5 a.m. till 8 a.m. and then I'm going to work during naps or I'm going to work during lunchtime or when my kids are on, you know, doing screen time and then I'm going to work all evening and sacrifice sleep, right? That might have worked, not well ever, but it might have worked for the first month, right? But it, it, that's where the exhaustion is starting to break down. And so I think the biggest thing is to really just take a step back and say, okay, this isn't just a few weeks anymore. This is maybe at least a few more weeks, if not a few more months, if not even longer than that. And so what is our family dynamic and how does that kind of dictate, you know, what are the things that we need to do to really make sure that we're we're all successful in our family? And so I think the first thing is really just doing a status check of are you part of a dual career couple? Are you a single parent? Are you a co-parent? Are you sharing custody with another partner in a different location? You know, do you have a traditional breadwinner caretaker model in your home? And how does that even shift the way that you're thinking about things? And then once you're really identified where you're at, then how do you value your career? How do you value your partner's career or your co-parent's career? How do they value yours, right? Have you had a conversation about that? Is there mutual respect for both of your careers? I do think it's really critical to recognize that focusing just on the money aspect is really dangerous in this time to say, we're going to prioritize one career because that person is making 
more money. Things are so uncertain right now that we really want to make sure that we're prioritizing both careers if possible. And recognizing too that because of that prioritization, if we only prioritize the person who has the higher wages, which typically in a heterosexual couple is going to be the man, then you're really doing a disservice to your own career and that you're only going to further that gap, right? Instead of, instead of shrinking that gap through this situation. And so you know, looking at what is the potential for us both to stay engaged, to continue to grow our careers, right? This is how we look at things even with potentially after having a baby, why it's important for women to keep working so that they don't have these large gaps and, and lose out on you know, 401k benefits and, and compounding interest of continuing to work and, and raises and all of those things, right? So I think you just need to make sure that you're still thinking about that, right? That if you take a step back, and if that's right for your family, that you're not just looking at it, just looking purely at salary. That makes a lot of sense. And I do want to come back to this conversation in a minute about how do we restructure kind of all the household labor and responsibilities, especially with school. But I want to touch on exactly what you just said, which is there is a lot of uncertainty with work right now and people worrying about their jobs. And one of the things is, how do we talk to our employers about this? So we hear from moms who are having massive caregiving responsibilities, right? And their lives have been up, turned upside down, but they don't want to tell their employer how much they're struggling because they don't want to be the one at the bottom of the totem pole that if layoffs need to happen or a company gets in trouble. So how do we make sure that we're advocating for ourselves, but not also putting ourselves at risk? Yes. And it's such a fine line, right? To be, to be balancing. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is to really make sure that you have people in your organization that you know are supportive of you. So if that is not your manager, right? Is there a mentor? Is there a colleague? Is there a peer of yours that is in a similar situation where you can kind of compare notes where now it's two of you bringing this up to an HR person or bringing this up to a more senior woman in the organization? Or can you get a group of five of your peers to talk about that conversation and how do you elevate it? So I never want you to put yourself in a position where you think having that conversation directly with your manager is going to put you on a list, right? If you really think that that's a risk, then that's not the route to go, right? We need to find a different avenue. And so I do think then looking to your peer group, looking to your support at work, your friends, your potential mentors, and finding ways to have those conversations so that it's not just you, it's a situation, it's a population, it's the working parent population or the working mother population of your organization that really needs this additional support. That makes a lot of sense. And what if... What if you don't feel like you have that person or you just want to make sure that through this time, especially if it lasts another, you know, God forbid, six to 12 months, that you can network from remotely, right? You can start to reach out to some of those people who might be in a similar situation to you at your company from home. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, definitely using the tools that your organization has in place, you know, in terms of like if you're using communicator channels like Slack or something like that is always a great way to connect and to to find, I know this is, <laughs> finding time is impossible right now. I get that. <laughs> but if you can, you know, kind of think about what are the five people that I want to just have a conversation with for 15 minutes over the next two weeks, right? So you're just finding little pockets of time so that you can have that opportunity to network or to connect with someone who's in a similar situation so that you can then think of, okay, what's the next step for us to raise this? And what's the right channel, right? Do you have a 
a women's initiative within your organization? Do you have a parents employee resource group within your organization? You know, if none of those exist, like, is there an HR person that you trust, right? And if none of that exists, is there, you know, another woman who's maybe in a more senior position that you could have this conversation with, right? So just looking outside of just your initial bubble of people that you deal with daily that may be more open to having this conversation with you. And I'm curious, you guys work with fathers and mothers. Yep. This is a mom's podcast, so most people are listening are moms, and we're talking about finding other women and finding other moms. But especially for women out there who are managers or more senior, how can we make this a conversation about parents and not a conversation about moms? Such a critical one. And I think the one silver lining out of all of this is maybe two is one that we are proving that we can work flexibly, right? We are proving that we can work remotely. I think that's a huge one. But two is that men are seen as caregivers. Um, We are seeing kids pop up on Zoom calls and they're popping up behind the men and they're popping up behind the women, right? Or in our laps. And yes, there may be different kind of experiences with that for sure. But I think when you realize that there are men in your organization who do have children who may be you've seen pop up in that Zoom call, to ask them to be a part of the conversation, to ask them what they're doing. And if you're in a senior leadership position, definitely to be engaging them on how they can really model behavior, how they can be having conversations with their teams about what's working in their homes and opening up the conversation. One of the big things that we do at Work360 is focused on how we support the managers to have the conversation so that it's not always reliant on the individual, the mom or the dad to always have to advocate for themselves. So instead, we're asking the managers to be coaches and to really open up that dialogue so that it's not so scary all the time. I love that idea of modeling behavior. My In my prior career in investing, which is very obviously workaholic central, I had one uh, very senior uh, male who ran our whole department who before holiday weekends or before holidays, he would very loudly kind of leave around 3.30 in the afternoon and he'd come out and be like, all right, guys, going home to see the family. Everybody should be going home. And whether or not we listened to that or felt like we could listen to that, it was a good signal of like, you know what, maybe we can leave right now. And and that's a powerful thing, especially coming from someone who we might be intimidated about <laughs> seeing us take that behavior. Yeah. And it's this idea that we have been secret parenting for so long and with COVID and, and having to have caretaking be in the forefront of everything that we're doing, we are being forced to parent out loud. And I think the more that we can continue to do that, and especially for the men in our lives to continue to do that even louder is only going to help the narrative and help people recognize that this isn't a women's issue. This is a family issue. And it's about really supporting families and enabling people to continue to work well and be successful in their careers. Mary Beth, that's the first time I've heard this phrase, secret parenting. And I knew exactly what you meant. Totally kind of gave me goosebumps of like, we have been doing that, right? We have to hide. We feel like we have to hide that we're parents. Definitely. So as we move towards kind of powering through, not powering through, but really finding a new normal and something we can sustain longer term, how often are we talking to our employer through this? Um, I'm thinking about summer camps getting canceled. I'm thinking about schools maybe not opening as much as normal, and we have to go back to teaching our kids from home, which was a joy for so many people the last few months. Um, How do we keep them updated? 
Yeah. So I think, you know, this is obviously going to be dependent on your relationship and your situation, but I think as we're moving forward, we need to be thinking about a few different buckets, right? So number one is definitely caregiving status. So what is going on in your local area? What is the, you know, kind of government restrictions? What's local advice? What's happening within your specific area? And is that similar or different to maybe your home office or other of your peers in in your organization, because so many of us are working with people not necessarily in the same city that we live in. Then recognizing based on kind of what's going on, is there an option for childcare opening up? What's going on with summer programs? As we get into the fall, what does school look like in our areas and how does that kind of dictate the amount of care that we have? So first, just making sure that we're providing those updates as we're getting them. So I would say about once a month is a good time to check in. And then really looking at also your family health status, because even if childcare is open, are you ready to utilize it? Right. And that might be dependent on, you know, do you have someone in your family that's higher risk? Are you yourself higher risk? Are you currently pregnant? Do you have an infant at home versus, you know, a 10 year old? Is there someone in in your home that's an essential worker that is more exposed? And does that dictate your ability to even utilize the caregiving that's available to you. And then I think finally, it's also looking at productivity and adaptability, right? Like, are you actually being productive at home? You know, especially as organizations are asking you to return to an office setting, you know, how much choice do you have in the matter? What is your role? Is it possible to continue doing it at home? You know, what are the options that you can stay remote? Are you neutral or productive? Neutral is a good thing at this time, right? By the way, you don't have to be more productive, but can you get things done? And do you want to return to the office, right? For some of us, we're so ready to get out of our homes. And so that might dictate you know, our desire to use caregiving more than others. So just really figuring out what are the options, what are the mandates from your organization, but then also what are the conversations you can have directly with your manager or with your HR business partner if you are one of those people that has a higher risk or that isn't able to use caregiving right now and what is the process for getting that uh, accommodation going forward. That higher risk and health status to your family conversation I'm glad you brought that up because this is not, we talk about invisible illness, right? And autoimmune disorders that aren't seen. And this is not something that we regularly talk about anywhere in society, never mind at work and with our employers. And for people who haven't necessarily disclosed this to their team before and is feeling uncomfortable about childcare or things like that, are there good ways to bring that up? Are there people in the organization that they can bring it up with? more quietly? How, how do we handle that? Starting with your HR team is probably the best in terms of just making sure that that is kept confidential. There are, especially, you know, the EEOC has some new guidelines out, for example, around like taking temperatures, right? So if we go back into an office that they are going to be able to take our temperature, but that doesn't mean that they can then provide that information to everyone in the organization. Like, oh, Chelsea had a 102 degree fever today, right? (laughs) You know, so that's not going to happen. And if it does, right, then they're opening themselves up for lawsuits. So I do think starting with your HR partner is the best way to kind of open up and just say, you know, this isn't something that I've previously had to disclose because it did not impact my ability to work. However, now I need an accommodation. 
right? And you always want to kind of use that phrase. And, and I'm not a lawyer, so I'm just going to put that out there. But by using <laughs> that phrase accommodation, it really allows them to think more proactively of this is about helping someone do the work that they can do, not about, oh, well, if we do it for you, we have to do it for everybody, which is a lot of the feedback that we often get. But if you're sharing with them, there's a reason and you're asking for an accommodation, then most organizations are actually compelled to do that to enable you to do your job. And does that in any way protect you better than trying to just work through it or handle it quietly? Well, I mean, just from your mental health, right? To be able to be more open, I think, enables everyone to feel better about the situation. You know, and I think, look, this is such a personal choice. And if it is something that you're not ready to have that conversation on, then you've got to be in a position where you feel ready to kind of open up and disclose that information. And if you feel like you can work around it, by all means, you do you, right? But I do think that it enables you to have a more open and honest conversation and get the accommodations that you need, where you may not be met with so many challenges to asking for flexibility or asking to stay remote if other people in your office are starting to return to the actual you know, office location. Okay. And last question here on work before we bring it in back into the house for women who are managers for moms who are listening, who have a team below them. Do you have any tips for them on managing well through this period of time? How much to reach out to your team? How little? So I think really focusing on individual needs, which, you know, is tough as a manager. And and especially if you are one of those managers that's still having to execute, excuse me, on day-to-day work. But really looking at what are the unique needs of the individuals on my team and recognizing that there are definite challenges for caregivers, but there's also some unique challenges for non-caregivers. You know, people who may have been cooped up in their homes really isolated throughout this time. They might be the ones that are, you know, jumping to get into the office. They also might be the ones that are feeling really taken advantage of because they have been online and been available when other people haven't. You know, I think all of us are seeing our numbers go up in terms of the amount that we're working. I think on average, the U.S. employees are working three more hours a day, right? Which is crazy. A day. A day. Yeah, a day, right? Not a week, <laughs> a day. And so, you know, that understanding that that burnout is happening for caregivers and non-caregivers alike. And so then really looking at how can you reassess with your team to kind of look at team goals, right? Look at, you know, how do you stagger coverage for each other and allow everyone to get a break? Have you had anyone take a day off in this whole situation? I know that there's nowhere to go. I get that, right? We're not going on crazy vacations, but we need to have that ability to step away and to not be checking email and to take that break. And so coming to an agreement as a team gives people permission to feel like they can right? And and that there is, I'm going to take a break and so is Chelsea. And so now I don't feel guilty because if I take a break and Chelsea never takes a day off, she's clearly the better employee, right? You need to have that kind of permission amongst your team. I was actually talking to Shannon McClay, who's the founder of the financial gym the other day. And she was saying that she required all financial gym employees to take a week of mental health. Mm -hmm. I love that. Didn't matter when. And she said she had a bunch of employees who said they didn't need it, but they required it for exactly what you said so that everyone can do it. Yep. And unanimously, everyone came back and was like, oh, it turned out I really needed that. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, and as a leader or a manager, you know, your team and what you guys do well. So if it makes sense to give your team permission to take a Friday off and everybody can be off, that's the best way to do it because it really allows everybody to like feel in it together. But if that doesn't work because you're client facing or you just need to be able to always have coverage, then making sure that you've come to an agreement with the team on how you're going to stagger those days off so that everybody still gets that permission to take time off. That's awesome. All right, Mary Beth, let's bring it back to the house. Like we were saying, how do we think about all the responsibilities that are going on within the house, both managing the house and cooking and parenting and splitting it with our partner if we have a partner, right? Right. So first of all, all the cooking. All the cooking, right? (laughs) Everybody's in your home eating and there's snacks and there's meals and it's insane. And like, forget everything else. I feel like we could all be full-time chefs right now. So um, you can see where I have all my anxiety wrapped up is in the cooking. Did you see that video Glennon Doyle posted of Abby just begging her to pick what she wants for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) My husband and I were just laughing of like, we we are all having this conversation every night. Totally. totally. And it's so crazy. And so, you know, I would say first and foremost is just to recognize that again, like we need to stop powering through and we need to really look at, this is the time to blow it up, right? This is the time to reassess and to kind of re-identify what are the things that even need to happen? Because, you know, if your partner was the one who always dropped off the dry cleaning, well, like, guess what? That's not something on the list right now. So they need to pick up something else, right? So I think the first thing is just realizing, you know, what are all the things that actually do need to get done? And what is kind of the the list of tasks that have changed over this period of time and kind of as we move forward? And then looking at how you reprioritize and kind of rank those priorities so that you can readjust responsibilities within your home. So especially if you have a partner or if you have kids that are even preschool aged, you know, clearly toddlers and infants, I'll give you a pass, but even preschool aged and up, you know, they really can participate in that. You know, so one of the things that we do in our home is very similar to like kind of a scrum style stand-up meeting. But in the morning, we check in as a family, right? Of just What's on tap for the day? Who's got big meetings? Who really needs to have a closed door? What is the online learning schedule? Because even though my kids are two and four, they are still participating in online learning, which is insane in some regards. Two sounds a little little difficult. Yeah, it's, it's only like 15 to 20 minutes, but you know, we still try to make it. So it's, I think, just making sure that they're part of that conversation. So engaging the whole family to really look at How do we readjust our priorities? How do we take full ownership for various tasks? And that can be done in a million different ways. But I think two ways to think about it is when we think about dinner, for example, is it that you're splitting responsibilities so one person in the home is always responsible for making dinner? Or is it based on schedules that day? So if you are splitting your days or splitting your time on who's working and who's not, if the person who is working during that, you know, let's say three to seven shift, then they're focused on work. And the person who's not working is then responsible for dinner. And then if it flips the next day, then that responsibility flips too. So it kind of goes hand in hand with the schedule. So I think just recognizing how to kind of create ownership based on um, how you're splitting your time. And when it comes to splitting time between work and house care and care work, you know, I think you have to do some trial and error. And the first thing that I would say is we've been doing this for 12 weeks, right? So what's working? What isn't working in your home? 
If it's not working, then it's time to have another conversation. If it is working, fantastic. Keep going, right? Use that and use that to fuel you in making those decisions moving forward. But if, for example, you were doing half days and you were working in the morning and then taking all the care work in the evening, like if that's stressing you out and that's not working anymore, then you need to have another conversation of how do we make this more sustainable for the next 12 weeks? Because likely, you know, we're not going into offices right away. And for many of us, we might not be going back into offices until the new year and potentially not until there's a vaccine, right? So this could really go on for a while. So we really want to look at this as an opportunity to think about how do we make this sustainable and have that kind of ongoing mentality. I love it. And I love your comment of this is the time to blow it up, right? Yeah. I have a close friend whose sons are, I think, from age seven to 15, and she's got them cooking dinner. They each get a night a week and they cook dinner and they're learning new skills and that's fine. And in our house, we said no to online learning. We did it for a couple of weeks. Our four-year-old was like, I'm not having any of this. <laughs> it was yeah. just... And we actually sat down with him and we just said, what's the matter, bud? Like every day when this ends, you're in tears. And he was like, well, I just miss my friends. And it was like, okay, you know what? This isn't right for him. So we emailed his teachers and like, it's okay to determine whatever is right for your family and what's going to fit in your to-do list. Exactly. And saying no is a form of self-care, right? Like it's choosing to prioritize what's important to you and your family. Oh, that was a perfect transition, Mary Beth, because now I want to talk about self-care. And mental health. <laughs> how in the world are we making time for this? And how do we make sure that we're not just becoming the martyr of trying to do everything from sunup to sundown? Right. And it, it is that normal, right? We, we feel this, especially as mothers, I think that that mom martyrdom and that we have to put ourselves last. And, you know, it's a common phrase. You've heard it before, but it's something I always go back to, which is that you just cannot pour from an empty cup. And if I am depleted, I am anxious, I yell at my kids more, I get frustrated, I can feel that anxiety in my body. And so I think recognizing that when you are depleted and feeling that way in your body, it's because you're not taking care of yourself. And so what are the things that you can be doing? And I think in this scenario, we do have to prioritize the basics. We have to look at making sure that we're sleeping, that we're eating well most of the time, right? Um, that we're moving our bodies and being very aware of what is actually making us feel healthier. It's such a personal choice, right? Like, like moving my body and exercise is something that is really important to my self-care, but it doesn't actually give me a break. Working out for me is another thing on my to-do list. Yeah. Right. For other people, that's like a huge mental break for them. And so I know that, yes, I need to move my body and I need to exercise throughout the week, but I also need to make sure that I have 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is, or five seconds where I'm just taking a few deep breaths and I'm away from my kids and my husband and my work. I got to say that self-awareness of what is a break and what is not a break is just really important. So for me, I, I take a walk every day. Right. And it was a week or two ago. My husband was like, the boys and I will come with you. And so a few days he got the stroller and 
the boys and my husband and our dog went for a walk. And it was like, I think day four, I was like, you know, this no longer becomes a break for me right. <laughs> when everyone is here. So now we do a short walk with the boys, everyone in the morning. And then I try to go out in the afternoon on my own. We'll have that break, right? Because now it's a family activity, which is not a bad thing. It's just different. It's just very different. And it was, I was finding that like, then I got irritated, right? Of like, okay, I wanted to leave 10 minutes ago and we still can't get the shoes on the toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. And I think it's, it's recognizing that, but then it's also looking at the difference between self-care and self-indulgence. And self-indulgence is not inherently bad. We were binge watching The Last Dance, Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah. It was fantastic and I needed that and I needed that break and that mental space and and to relive my childhood because I'm from Chicago. So there were so many things that were fantastic about doing that and, and binging a show on Netflix is not inherently bad, but I was doing it till one in the morning, two nights in a row, right? Which means that now I am sacrificing sleep. And so that is now an indulgence, right? That's not self-care and taking a break and just like relaxing in front of the TV. It's, you know, inhibiting my ability to make sure that I'm really taking caring of some of those core basics. So I think recognizing that difference too, right? Like indulging on ice cream or, you know, having a glass of wine, again, none of that is inherently bad, but it's like, what is it then creeping into? And is it becoming something that you need to then change, right? So I think it's okay to do for a few nights or it's okay to do temporarily, but to also recognize that that's not necessarily self-care. So what's the difference for you? Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, last thing I'm going to just comment on with self-care is just be mindful of social media. We all use it. We all love it. It's a great way to connect, especially now. But if you're finding yourself angry, judgy, or whatever, right? Like just take a break and turn it off. A very important reminder (laughs) for all of us. So Mary Beth, we're talking about how this might last for a while, but ultimately things are going to shift back, right? We'll find a vaccine. Whenever it is, life is going to go back to some semblance of normal. And so as you're talking to women or men in your community, how are you guiding them to decide what they want their career to look like after this is all over, right? Like we're already starting to hear from some people who are like, I don't want to go back to working in an office. I like working at my house. How do we navigate that on the back end? Yeah. Well, so I think it does get back to like, am I productive? Does this work for me? Is this something where I have demonstrated that I can be at least as productive or close to productive? And there is a difference too, right? Between working from home and working remotely with childcare and working from home and working remotely without childcare. So, you know, assuming we have a vaccine or we're kind of a few months down the the path where you're asking for this flexibility, making sure that you're distinguishing that difference too, that now you do have that support at home, that things are, you are going to be able to be more focused, et cetera. And then really looking at, you know, what are the communication channels that have worked for you and your team in this remote environment? And how do those translate if part of the team is in the office and part of the team is remote. is one thing that we also have to be mindful of is when everyone's remote, some of that communication is forced. Whereas if you have kind of a distributed team where some people are in the office, you know, then it's easy to forget about the remote workers or it's, it's you know, you're having those sidebar conversations. So you want to just make sure that you're thinking about what are the tools that we need as well, right? What are the, the technology and the things that we need to have in place to kind of 
advocate for ourselves to continue to work flexibly or remotely. I think the other thing is, you know, any big transition, we see this especially with new moms too, it makes you really rethink your career, right? Yeah. You know, if you're me and Chelsea, maybe it makes you make a completely different choice and open your own business, right? Yeah. But it also means that this is an opportunity for reflection and to think about, you know, what do I want in my career going forward? And what does that look like? And what are the types of organizations that I want to be working for? And one of the questions that we should be asking in any interview going forward in the next few years is how did you support your employees during the COVID crisis? Yeah. Because that's going to tell you a lot about the culture of the organization and, you know, if it's a place that you want to be and how they, you know, really are thinking about their employees as a value add to their organization. So I think it's okay to be self-reflective right now and to think about what is next and what are the shifts that I want to make and what's not working for me. Because sometimes it's easier to identify like what you don't want than it is to always identify what you do want. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense, Mary Beth. All right, Mary Beth, any last pieces of advice for moms who are just muddling through right now? Yeah, I think the last thing that I would comment on is if you feel like you're still powering through, it's time to make a change, right? So whether that is having that tough conversation at home or whether that's carving some time out for yourself or whether that's having a more honest and open dialogue at work. Like something needs to change because this isn't sustainable and we are going to burn out if we continue to just focus on powering through. And quite frankly, most of us were pretty burnt out before this all started. So I think it's a good opportunity for everybody to just kind of say, all right, what are we going to do to actually make this work in our family going forward and to have those tough conversations and to get support, right? The best thing about this is everything is available virtually now. So you can find that, you know, mental health provider, you can find me or find that coach or find, you know, the support that you need to have those tough conversations so that you can, you know, kind of create the schedule or the work life that's going to work for you and for your family. I love it. All right, Mary Beth, before we let you go, we have to have you do a silly thing. Okay. We have to have you try on our Smart Money Mama's sorting hat. So the sorting hat is our version of the hot seat where we ask the magical hat to reveal something about you. It contains a number of questions about money, motherhood, and life. Are you ready? I'm ready. What financial goal are you working towards right now? Ooh, that's a great one. Um, mine is more of a business goal. So we are looking to double our revenue even in COVID. Wow, that's a big goal. Yeah. Do you have a team right now, Mary Beth, or is it just you? We I uh, have two other people on my team. Awesome. Well, good luck with that goal. And where can people find you uh, and learn more about Work360? You can find us at WRK360.com or on Instagram at WRK360Official. Awesome. And we will link to that in the show notes, mamas. Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining us and good luck with adjusting to this new world we're in. Thank you so much. You too, Chelsea. It was great to be here. Mamas, I seriously wish every company would talk to Mary Beth and her team to develop practices that better serve their employees. Don't you? Her advice on creating open communication at work, starting a greater conversation about parenting and setting boundaries are excellent. 
If you want to hear more from Mary Beth, Work360 has a free coronavirus video training for all expecting new and working parents. We'll have a link for that in the show notes. She's also generously offered 20% off any of her trainings, including courses on finding your identity as a working parent and transitioning back from maternity leave for all Smart Money Mamas listeners with the code MONEYMAMA20 at work, WRK360.com. As always, though, let's make sure we can get the most out of what Mary Beth shared today. I've rounded up my top three favorite takeaways from this chat to help you manage your career in this uncertain time. First, if you're in a place where you're still powering through, it's time to find a new plan. In the first few weeks of this crisis, we were all just holding on, doing what we could to shove work in where it would fit, trying to adjust to online learning for our kids, ugh, and often neglecting basic self-care. But it's been almost three months now, and we don't know what the next six to 12 months will bring. It looks like summer camps will largely be canceled, schools are trying to find an effective plan for next fall, and every company is simply doing its best. We have to have more conversations with our spouses, our kids, and ultimately our employers about how we plan to make this all work in a healthy, fair way. Second, keep open conversations with your employer about your responsibilities but be sure to find your allies. As things start to open back up, however slowly or quickly, depending on where you live, different employees are going to have different experiences. Some may have kids without childcare options. Some may have health concerns that don't allow them to go back to the office. And others have spouses that are essential employees, leaving them without help at home. Make sure you're talking to your employer at least monthly to let them know what your situation is and what your ideal work schedule looks like. Try to keep these conversations as positive and accommodating as possible while advocating for your needs. If you're feeling like these conversations might put your employment at risk or include information you don't want to make public, find your allies. As Mary Beth said, look for others in your office that are supportive of your career. Look for others who are facing similar situations to your own and ask them how they're coping. Then try to work together to get the support you all need. It makes the situation not about you, but about what everyone is facing. And finally, third, now is the time to blow it up. Things have changed, mamas, and while we might all hate change because it makes things uncomfortable and uncertain, it does present us with a perfect moment to reflect, to think about what is working, what isn't working, and what matters most to us. I love that Mary Beth suggested going back to our household to-do lists, reviewing who has what responsibilities, and what tasks just really don't have to be on our list at all anymore. Have quick family briefings about the plan for the day and who is doing what each morning. And on a bigger scale, start to ask yourself questions about the work you want to do and the life you want to live. Sometimes we have to be pushed into making big changes, whether that's at work, at home, with our health, or in our relationships. Maybe this is your push. You've got this. Mamas, I want to thank Mary Beth again for joining me on the show and sharing her tips with us. I also sincerely appreciate you spending part of your day hanging out with us. It's always a pleasure. As a reminder, for links to Work360 and other resources mentioned today, along with a summary of our key takeaways, head to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Mary Beth. All one word. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next time. <laughs>